I was thinking, well, what, what do I preach to a church that's been in existence for 60 years? What does a church need after being faithful for so long? I think one of the things we need is to go back to basics, to go back to the beginning, go back to how we started. And we're going to go back to one of the verses that we teach everybody when they first start in the Christian life. Notice what it says in Proverbs 3, 5 through verse 8. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Tonight I want to preach a message entitled, Trusting in him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity you give me to preach to the church that you used in my life so many years ago. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your people here as they keep living here, serving here, and being a testimony to this community. Lord, I pray for Pastor Kuhlman as he leads this church. Give him wisdom beyond his years. Give him just that vision for this city once again. Allow him just to View every soul as an opportunity to witness. I pray that you be with me as I preach tonight. Allow me just to point people towards you. Allow us to re, 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 restart our minds, to refresh our minds, and just to keep thinking again, to restart and think that we need to trust you and nothing else. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Please have a seat. Thank you so much for standing. <clears throat> You know, trust is not shown by our words, by de- but demonstrated by our actions. So what is trust? One of the things that always keeps coming back to my mind when I think, what is trust, is my training in the military. I was a hospital corpsman, so I, I did a lot of medical training. And one of the trainings we did was uh, a gurney training. How did it carry a person from here to there so you don't drop them and the person, you know, gets more injured? And one of the things you think when you see a person being carried in a gurney, you think this, oh, that's easy. Oh, that's so easy. Anybody could do it. I know I thought it. And as a, and as a, a young 20-year-old thinking, oh, I can carry a, people, a person in a, in a gurney. That's, not, that's no problem. I started. And I thought it was going to be four people, but no, it was two people. And we started carrying this person in a gurney, right? And, and then you go in the first, you know, one minute is no problem. But then the second minute, you're like, man, this is heavy. This, this person needs to stop eating so much. <laughs> What's going on here? And then, and then your forearms start getting heavy, and they start cramping up. And then you, you're, 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 your fingers start opening. You're like, no, I can't drop this person. I can't drop this person. And, and really what you're doing is trying to carry them to a place they can't go themselves. Now, trusting is not the person carrying the gurney, but the person on the gurney. Whoever is on that gurney has no say as to what's going to happen to him. Usually that person is injured and can't do anything and has to put their trust on those two people carrying him. And he has no choice. And trust is that, is going on a gurney where I have no control. That's what what salvation is. 
We give our trust to God. We say, God, I can't save myself. You have to save me. I know you already paid the price on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins and accept you as my Savior. Basically, I jump in the gurney of salvation and God takes me and saves me. And the greatest thing is that God will never drop me. He will never let me go because he's all-powerful. All, he loves, uh, he, his love is unconditional. He's the greatest God ever. And that's exactly what trust is. Trust is not having any control and just letting the other person do everything for you. Now, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Israelites in the, in the time of Isaiah had the same problem of trust. They came out of Egypt and they remembered strength and power uh, from the horses and the chariots of Egypt. And, and they equated uh, power and strength to them. And Isaiah has to remind the Israelites that they should not look to the strength of chariots and horses, but to trust in their God. In Isaiah 31.1, it says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. And then in verse 3, it says, Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall down, and they all shall fail together. God is telling the Israelites, stop looking unto things, and now trust in me again. I know that looks scary, but you have to put your trust in me. You have to jump on that stretcher. You have to get on that gurney and let me do the battle for, for you. The psalmist repeats this same sentiment in Psalm 20, verse 7. It says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The psalmist says, some look at strength, they can see the things, and they will trust in that, but they don't trust in God himself. It is easier to trust in what we see rather than on something we don't see. And that's why it's a big struggle. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, uh, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That struggle is, is in the Christian life all of our times. We're either going to see something and be afraid and move out of trusting God, or we're going to trust God and go forward. The Christian life is a life of trusting God. Sometimes we call it living by faith. That phrase comes one, uh, uh, most of the time. We hear that phrase. We live by faith and not by sight. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, what? <clears throat> not seen. So you can't see what your, what your faith is on. Now, a lot of people, they decide to trust in different things. Now, sometimes they trust in money because they have it. And most of us in the military never trusted in money because we never had any, right? But some people do. Some people have a lot of money. They look at their bank account and they say, man, I am wealthy beyond I could ever imagine. I don't have to trust in anybody. I can help myself. Some people even trust in religion. They say, because I've done A, B, C, D, and E, I'll be able to go to heaven. I'll be able, I'm secure forever. So I can just keep going to the church and fill out all the check marks and I'll be fine. And they put their trust in something they can see, something, some list that somebody has given them. Other people 
put your trust in education. I have a master's degree. I have seven bachelor's degree. I've been, I'm a doctor. And they say, ah, oh, I know so much. Therefore, I can do so much. And they look at something they, can, they have on their wall instead of looking at a God that is up in heaven. They also look at experience and they say, man, I've done so much in my life. Look at my experience. Look, what, look, look, look at the evidence of how good I am. I'm going to trust in everything I've done in the past. Some people just trust in their age. I'm, I'm so old. I've been through everything. I've been through the Great Depression. Now I'm been through, you know, the Great Recession. And I'm been through everything. Look, I, I, I know everything. Why? Because I'm so old. And they trust in their age. Or they, they, some people, foolishly, they trust in their young age because they have strength. And they're like, I'm going to trust here. But the best example of faith is our salvation. When we got saved, we placed all our faith or all of our trust in God. Because the only one that can save us is God through what Jesus did on the cross for us. And once we stop putting our trust in that baptism we had when we were kids or in that church attendance that we do every week or in that a good deeds that we do or in that, in that checklist that the Catholic Church gave me after when we decide I'm not going to trust in any of that but in God who provided a way for me to for salvation and I get on that stretcher of salvation, that's when I get saved. That's when God saves me and I go up. Uh, I have a place in heaven now. That same way is that the way we need to trust God in our Christian life. And as we live our Christian life, as the 60 years of this church has been here, what do we do? Well, we need to keep trusting him. We need to decide not to look back on our accomplishments, our life, our, how, everything that we've done, every, everything that we've learned in the last 60 years, but look forward and say, God, I'm going to trust you as I move forward. Because 60 years in light of eternity is nothing. In the experience that we've gained over the decades of being in this life, don't compare to the wisdom that God has for us. Now, how, do, how does trusting God look like? Let me, let me try to demonstrate from this passage three ways we can de- us demonstrate trust in God. How can we show God, God, we really trust you and not anything else? I want you to know the first way is in verse 5 and in verse 7, and is this is you have to distrust your own wisdom. How do you trust in God? Well, you have to distrust your own wisdom. Look in verse 5 for me again. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, notice the second phrase, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Go to verse 7. Be not wise, where? In thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. In those two verses, it tells us that we cannot trust ourselves. I can't trust my wisdom. The, the verse says, lean not. That, the word lean means to depend on. It's what I'm doing to the pulpit, right? This is leaning. You lean on something. Why would you lean on something? If you uh, become of age and you have trouble walking, what do you need? Something to Lean on so you don't fall. And the Bible says, lean not or don't depend on what? On your own wisdom. The phrase, be not wise in thine own eyes, is interesting because it says that don't think you're wise. Don't think yourself to be a wise person. Uh, In Spanish, it says everybody has their own opinion, basically. So we all have some wisdom. We all have some knowledge. We all have some experience. And we all have some opinions. But God tells us, don't trust them. 
We, we all have something. Now, I have two degrees. I have a pastoral theology degree, and I also have a business management degree. I almost finished my master's, but that doesn't count because it's not on my wall, right? So it, it doesn't matter. But I am not here saying that going to school is bad. I don't think the Bible is saying you should not go get education. I don't think the Bible is saying that you should not use your experience wisely. I have 12 years of experience in ministry, but that doesn't mean that tomorrow I'm going to know what to do. Uh, I, I probably could rely on some areas of my expertise in music, but that doesn't mean that that's what God wants me uh, to do. I would assume that you are also knowledgeable in certain areas that I'm not knowledgeable, knowledgeable in. Maybe you have a master's, a doctorate degree, or maybe you have some experience in some field, and you're like, I am super good at this. Guess what? The Bible is not saying that you or I don't have wisdom. The Bible is saying just don't depend on it. Just don't lean on it. Who here knows everything about every single subject in the world? Anybody? Right? I, I often say you don't know what you don't know. Because none of us are omniscient. Who here is omniscient? Well, none of us. We do not know what we don't know. And compared to God, our wisdom or our knowledge is very, very limited and insignificant. God can look down at us and say, yeah, you got a degree, but you're not smart. Yeah, you have experience, but you're not using it for, for my kingdom. Only a fool would say, I am wiser than God. Only a person says, eh, God says this, I'm going to do that. Only a fool would do that. So this passage is reminding, reminding us that we don't know everything, and we ought to be humble enough, and we need to stop thinking of ourselves more than what we are, because God's wisdom can guide us to a better place than we can. And we, can't, and we have to, what, not lean on our own understanding. Now, we all agree with, I, with what I just said, but how many times have we ignored the, what the Bible says just because it doesn't make sense or is a little bit uncomfortable to do? And we're relying maybe on our experience. Oh, the Bible says, you know, don't get into debt, but uh, maybe this debt is a good debt, right? The Bible says you got to witness. Ah, but I mean, that person looks a little weird, so I'm not going to witness to them. Oh, I, don't, I feel uncomfortable talking to that person. And we, sometimes in our practice, we don't lean on God's wisdom or in the Bible. The Bible says we lean on our own wisdom. I remember uh, a story uh, in, uh, in when I was in college. I thought I was going to be the best dorm supervisor ever. Okay. And foolishly, I thought, I've been in the military for five years. These kids don't know what they're doing. They're going to they're gonna ask me to be a dorm supervisor quick, you know. It didn't happen. And I was like, this is weird. Okay, so I started my second year, and they didn't ask me for anything. And then, like, a week before winter break, they're like, hey, we're looking for a winter break dorm supervisor. There's only going to be, like, you know, 20 kids here. Do you want to you wanna be it? And I was like, oh, yes. This is my opportunity to show them how great of a leader I am. I am going to blow their minds. This dorm is going to be clean, spotless. People are going to be on time. Everything is going to be great. So, man, I came you know, running. I was, I was excited. I was, okay, boom, boom, stop lying, stop combing your hair, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I was in my zone. I was like, this is boot camp all over again. I love it. 
One instance, it was, it was Thursday night and it was cleaning day, right? So we went cleaning the bathroom. And somebody had left their pants just hanging in the bathroom. And the whole dorm, the, the whole 20 of us were cleaning the bathroom because it was a shared space. And I'm over there, is this your pants? Are these your pants? Are these your pants? Are these nobody's pants? So I leaned on my military experience. And as Brother Jesse would know, you throw those away. Nobody claims them. They throw away. Why? Because the mission is to clean the bathroom. And I was so proud of myself. That Sunday, Dr. R., one of the vice presidents, finds me in the, in the service. I'm, I'm done leading the service, right? The service is over. I'm shaking hands with people. He comes and says, hey, I need to talk to you. I was like, he's 6'6", six, six, you know, 350 pounds. I, I was a scrawny little guy, 120 pounds. And I was like, this guy's going to eat me. What did I do? He said, did you throw those pants away? And I wanted to lie. No, yes. <laughs> no, yes, I threw those pants away. I cleaned the bathroom. He, oh, it was, it was bad. He basically said, that, those pants belong to this guy that wasn't there. His pastor has been praying for him for years to come to college. And he was about to quit. And I was, we're encouraging, and you threw his pants away. What do you think he's going to do now? I said, stay in college? No. I was like, oh, oh that's, I felt so bad. For, because I've, I've, I've ruined somebody's life, basically, for throwing the pants away. Now, obviously, I don't believe that me throwing those pants away made him decide, okay, I'm not going to go to college anymore. But what it did do is it did not help him stay. And I relied on my experience in the military to tell me what to do in this situation. And what I did is I did not help the situation. Why? Because I leaned into my own understanding. I leaned in the experience that I had regained in the military, but I did not do what God wanted me to do, which was encourage people to study for the ministry, to stay in Bible college, to let them grow and serve God with their life. And now, uh, what happens? When we don't trust in our own understanding, we let God's wisdom work through us, right? So why, why sometimes are we the same way with God when it comes to trusting him? Well, I'm not going to ask pastor for counsel because I already know what to do. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to read the Bible for that because I already know what it says. I'm not going to pray about that for, for, a, for a month just because I know it's important, but I just know what's best for me or what's best in the situation. Oh, I'm going to buy that house and I'm going to sell this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to change my careers and I'm going to do this. And we think we know what we're supposed to do, but the truth is we need to trust God. He's the one that knows the future from the past. He's the one that knows what's best for me in five years than, than, than I do. And if I don't take time to pray, to read, to ask counsel, to say, God, what do you really want me to do and trust in him, I'm going to make bad choices. God is not limited to what he knows, but I am. I am not limited Excuse me, I am limited in, the, in seeing the future. He sees everything for me. And sometimes trusting God looks weird or feels weird 
or feels like I am not moving forward. But the truth is, God knows. And in, t- in, in, in the right time, God will show why the decision had to be made. Right? I don't know why. Uh, this is what Job says about that. It says, shall I, any, this is what Job says about God. It says, Job 21, 22, shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judges those that are high? In Isaiah 40, 12, he says this about God, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighted the mountains and scales and the hills in the balance, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. What is Isaiah saying? God knows everything. That is wiser. Who is going to God go to when he has a question? Well, himself. And we have to put our trust in that God. How do I do that? I have to distrust my own wisdom. I have to say, I don't know as much as I think I know. Oh, yeah, I've experienced this in the past, but God knows my future, so I'm going to keep trusting him even though I know that this would be best, but I'm just going to trust him. But what's the second way we can trust God is this, is to think about God in every situation. The second way is we think about God in every situation. Look at verse 6 with me, please. It says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. And what is is he going to do? He shall direct thy paths. Verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and what? And depart from evil. God says, I want you to acknowledge me in all your ways. Or a, better, or a phrase to understand it better, think about God in every situation. He says to acknowledge. It's, it's like a command. Acknowledge in all thy ways, what? Acknowledge him. Every step you're taking, you're, you're thinking about God. That verse 7 says, fear the Lord. In other words, in other words here's your first thought. You had to think about God. Why? In Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. If I fear the Lord, I will get his wisdom. Fearing the Lord is taking a step and saying, wait, is this what God wants me to do? I don't want to do anything that would displease my God. Sometimes we make a bad decision, not because we don't trust God, but because we don't take time to think about God or acknowledge him. We don't, we're not patient in our decisions and we just poof, take off, instead of saying, God, is this what you really want me to do? In Proverbs 15, 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He's always there. He's always ready to answer to us. We just have to take a time to think about God, to, re- to acknowledge Him, to remember, th- remember, remember Him. When we think about God in our daily walk, it means that God will guide us. They will take a step because God wants us to take the step. Departing from evil, in verse 7, is the, is, a, is the natural course of a life of thinking of God constantly. Why would I depart from evil? Because I don't want God to, to, to be displeased with my life. So I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm going to say, God, can I take this step? Should I take this step? I will take this step. And no, that's evil. I'm going to take this step. This step over here. That's what departing from evil is the action of actually fearing 
God. Doing evil things only brings evil results. So by departing from evil, I am fearing God. And that's what it means. A sure way to know that I'm fearing God is by my actions. Are they evil or are they not? Are they good deeds or are they not good deeds? If, we, if we're thinking of God in every situation, we, uh, we won't be mingling ourselves with evil. If I'm thinking, God, do you want me to watch this? Do you want me to hear this from my coworkers? Do you want me to, to do this move financially? Do you want me to do this on Sunday? Do you want me to do this on Thursday, on, on Wednesday? If we start thinking of God every time in every situation, guess what? I'm not going to go into evil. I'm going to be departing from evil, and I'm going to be fearing God in those situations. Now, I, 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 I think when I, when I read this, I think of my married life. I've been married 10 years with my wife. We have four, four beautiful daughters. And if you were to ask me, would you ever want to go be single again? No. That's a quick no. No. I remember being single. I like being married. Married is way better than being single. So if you're single here, guess what? Get with it. Get married, okay? It's, it's better than being single, okay? If you're, if you're not, it's fine. You know, God has a plan for all of us. But if you can... Just, it's, it's the best, okay? I enjoyed being single, but married, married life is a lot great. But you know what happens when you married somebody? Most of you probably think about this or, or would agree with me on this, but I'm always thinking of my wife. If I leave the office late, you know what I'm thinking? I need to tell her that I'm leaving the office late. She's going to ask me, why were you here at 5.30, not 5.10? Right? Oh, I'm going to be late. If I have to do something extra, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to text her. I'm going to say hi. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to do this. If, for example, if I, leave the, if I leave dishes in the sink, do you know what I'm thinking of? My wife. Why? Because my wife doesn't like dishes in the sink. So I go like this. Nope. Right? And I said, oh, those dishes look dirty. Kids, come clean the dishes. Right? Because I know that my, one of my wife's thing is, is she doesn't like Dishes in the sink, dirty dishes in the sink. And I'm sure many of you will, will, will think the same. Yeah, I don't like dishes being dirty in the sink. Uh, if, uh, if our daughters uh, are, are using the wrong shoes in the backyard, you know what I think? Oh, my wife doesn't like the, Those are church shoes. Those are not real shoes. As a guy, yeah, wear church shoes, wear boots. I don't care. Just go outside. It's fine. But I know that if my kids wear church shoes outside, you know who's going to be cleaning those shoes? They're going to tell my kids, don't do that? My wife. So what do I do? Hey, you have church shoes outside. Come inside, take change of shoes. Why? Because I'm constantly thinking of my wife. Every time I take out my card to pay for something. You know what I'm thinking of? My wife. How did we put this in the budget? Because if we didn't, how am I going to explain this to her that I bought this? So that, yeah, this is in the budget. Okay, so... This, uh, okay, And I'm thinking of my wife. Why? Because our accounts are together. Our life is together. Everything we do is together. And when I do a, take a step, I'm thinking, how is this going to affect my wife? How is this going to affect my children? And as a man, that's, that's what we do. We, we think of the people that we are, they were caring for. I think that's the, the biblical definition of fear. I don't fear my wife in the sense that she's going to hit me when I get home because I spent $5, right, in a Pollo Loco. But I fear her in the sense that I know what she loves, what she hates. And when, whenever those things happen, I think of her and I say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or, oh, yeah, I'll do that, right? And that's what God says fear of the Lord is. 
Lord, would this please you? Oh, that's not going to please you. I'm not going to do it. Every time I take my wallet out and I'm ready to pay for something, yes, I think of my wife, but I should be thinking, God, are you pleased with this purchase? Every time I say something out of my mouth, it, God, are you pleased with, with what am I about to say? Every time I do take a, take a step, go, go to a place, gotta, this is where you want me to go, right? Walmart, not Target. You want me to go to Walmart? Okay, I go to Walmart. Why? Because I fear God. I have him in my every thought. Every situation that, I, that I'm in, I think, God, is this what you really want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Should I take a track? Should I not take a track? And the, the answer is always, yes, take a track, right? But if I think about that, what's going to happen? God's going to be giving me my steps. I'm going to be fearing him. I'm not going to be trusting in my own wisdom, but in, in the wisdom of God. James 1.20 says this, that for the wrath of men worketh not the righteousness of God. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we take steps. Sometimes we do things that are not right. And what happens? God can't work. I'm doing evil things. I'm not departing from evil. And if I remember God in every situation, most likely I won't have that wrath and I'll let God work. God, you are in my every thought God, you are in my every situation. I will think of you. I will acknowledge you. I will remember you. And I will not lean into my own understanding. Why? Because I fear you and I will depart from evil. That's the second way we can trust God. And the third way is this. How can we trust God? Is by remembering the reward. Remembering the reward. Look in verse 8, what it says. It says, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now, health to me is something that I'm very familiar with being five years in the Navy in the medical field. Health it was our, our only goal was to keep Marines healthy. And I equate health with medicine. And when the Bible says marrow to thy bones, it's talking about refreshment, so, some nourishment. It's giving the bones something to, to feel good about. It's when you are really thirsty, like I am right now, and, and you drink a glass of water. What does this do? That's fresh. That's refreshing. I needed that. And I, and I drink it. Oh, it refreshes me. When we trust in the Lord, the Bible says that it will be what? Health and it will be marrow. In other words, it will be medicine and refreshment. Who here does not like medicine when they're sick? Who here does not like a glass of water when they're really thirsty? After going door knocking here in Yucca Valley, you know, you go out, you get your breakfast every, every month. You still do breakfast or no? No? Ah, you missed it. Brother Don used to make breakfast whenever we would go out that, that couple years, you know, 15 years ago. But you go out, you knock the doors, and, and the sun is beating, right? And it's 8 o'clock in the morning, or well, 9 o'clock in the morning, 100 degrees outside, and you're knocking, it's sweaty. What, what do you come back and you get, get a little water? What if that water was not there? You wouldn't be refreshed. And if you're sick and you have a headache and you don't take Tylenol, well, you don't, you're not going to get healthy. You're going to be thinking of that. And what happens is, is that really that's what we want in our lives, isn't it? We want when we're sick to be given medicine so we get healthy. And when, we, when we're thirst for something, we want to get it to be refreshed. Who doesn't want that? 
And the Bible says that when we trust in God's wisdom and not in our own, when we fear God and we think of him in every situation, what's going to come to our lives? Health, medicine, and refreshment. Sometimes we, we get blindsided by the now that we forget that God's reward usually takes time. And we want long-term reward, not just short-term compliance. And we want God to give us refreshment and health, but sometimes that takes time. Sometimes, God, I am trusting you and it's taking three years. What's going to happen? Guess what? When it's time, you'll be health, you'll have medicine, and you'll be refreshed. God is the only one that can bring the desired result in his way is the only way that that can be achieved. And if you want your, your life to be a healthy life, if you want your life to be a refreshing life, the only way to get that is through God's wisdom, to take his steps, not to take my steps. God's rewards are always better than we can imagine. Sometimes we just like them now instead of what God wants to give to us. Uh, working at a hospital, for me, was a great experience. Uh, and working at the ER was a challenging experience because I was 19 years old. I just started my military career, and they said, ER time. And I was, okay. And, and getting people that came to the ER was always 50-50, right? You were happy that they were there, but you're also wondering, should you be here? Why are you making me work when you shouldn't be here, right? And it's just weird. But you get to the ER, but the people... They come because they need medicine. Oh, you feel great when you can give them what they need. Maybe, maybe it's a brace. Maybe just some Tylenol. Maybe it's just a, a quick surgery or something that they need just to get out and be healthy. And you know why people go to emergency rooms? They don't go there because they don't need to be healthy or they don't need to be refreshed. But they go there because they want health. They need to be healthy. They need to feel refreshed. And wouldn't it be nice that, that in our lives people would come to us because they know that when we tell them something, there'll be medicine to, to them, spiritual medicine, spiritual refreshment. Why? Because we speak the wisdom of God and not our own wisdom. Wouldn't it be nice that in this church there will be many people, all of you, just trusting God instead of trusting yourselves and then people would come in just to visit and feel like wait why is this church so refreshing why is this people so happy why is this this environment a little different because God's rewards are always better than we can imagine and as as we trust God and we are refreshed what can we do we can refresh others people don't like to be next to the guy that is always yelling at them they like to be next to the person who's smiling joking around happy and if God gives us a life that is healthy, a spiritual life that is healthy, a spiritual life that is refreshing, that's going to pour out of us. And what's going to happen? People are going to start coming to this church because it's health and marrow, because it's medicine and refreshment, because something there is happening. I don't know what, but the result is what I want. So how do I get it? And we all can tell them, we well, got to trust God. Start with salvation, and it continues through your whole life. I believe that God can make that happen in our lives, I believe that we can, that can be accomplished through us. So what, what happens when a church turns 60 and it's time to keep going? We go back to the beginning. We trust God. Why? Because in everything that we do, we should not lean in our own understanding. 60 years to God is nothing. 
So what's the next step for the church? Well, we can't rely on the past. We have to rely on the God who brought us here. And God knows better. So every step I'm going to take, God, do you want us to take this step? Do you want me to take this step? How can I make this, my life better? How, how is this decision going to affect you? How does it affect my family? Are you going to be pleased with me when I take this step? And at the end, I always think, God, your reward for trusting you is much better than what I can imagine for myself. Oh, yes, I can have all the houses and all the pools, but if I don't have you, I have nothing. Life is empty, is vain. So what do I do? I trust God. I trust God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to just come back to your word, to the basics, to thinking of trusting in you. Lord, it's a battle we go through every day. Our flesh wants to do something. You want, us, you want to do something through us. And us just thinking through our own wisdom and our own experience tempts us to not listen to you or to not, uh, to not depend on you. But Lord, today I pray that many of us decide to trust you. To decide that I'm not going to trust my own wisdom. I'm not going to trust my own experience. I'm not going to trust what I think is best, but I'm going to trust what you tell me. And Lord, I pray that we decide to think of you in every situation, to fear you in every aspect of our lives. Allow us to, to see and to think, is this going to make you pleased with me? And at the end, allow us to always remember, Lord, I'm going to trust you because it's medicine. I'm going to trust you because it's going to be refreshing to me. And I pray that as we make decisions today, that you'll be pleased with them. Welcome. Cool,